going beyond the headlines, getting to the heart of the story. Calgary Today with Joe McFarland on 770 CHQR. Answer this question for me. What do you hate most about buying a car? I was pretty lucky in the sense that I'd saved up a bunch of money and went into the dealership and basically bought with cash. It was a great investment after my previous vehicle. I did the math and realized that it had a $16,000 price tag, but I ended up after interest and everything else and paying over five years, I paid a boatload more than what was on the price tag. So I learned from that. But there's a lot of other costs that might be added on that you might not be aware of, or there are things that might pop up that you don't think of. So we thought we'd bring in from the Automobile Protection Association, George Eney, to dive a little bit more into this. George, thanks so much for the time today. My pleasure. What would you say is the biggest issue facing uh, buyers of vehicles in Canada right now? Well, there's no single issue, but something that comes up often has to do with pricing integrity. So um, so the surprise when you get into a dealership and find out that the price you saw in the ad is not the price that the vehicle will cost you uh, when you get out the door. I know a lot of people feel kind of intimidated when they go into a dealership. There's all these uh, buttons and, and high-flying things, and everybody's got this energy about them. What should people keep in mind as they walk through the doors? It's an unusual area of retailing. I think a lot of people are used to, if for, for those of us who do bricks and mortar, who aren't buying online, something like a Costco or a department store or a supermarket where the, the goods are um, relatively easy to figure out what, how much to pay. The price is a price. And also you have very good exchange and return policies. Certainly if the goods are defective, nobody in a regular retail would argue with you about taking them back. And often, even if you just don't like the goods, as long as they're substantially in decent shape, you can return them. That's very different in the car business, both new and used. I know a lot of uh, a lot of people email a newsroom saying, "Hey, I feel like I got bilked here. I feel like this is this isn't right." And I know there have been different reports over the years uh, that have dived into some of the issues that you do see at dealerships. When it comes to, uh, I'll use the example of added costs. Uh, you say, for example, in, in one case, got a, an email from a listener saying, "Hey, you know, I I went out for a test drive, thinking the price is going to be this." Uh, decided to take the night to think about it, came back, and they had jacked the price up uh, in that day. Is that uh, allowed in today's day and age? Alberta has reasonably good rules. You know, for a, a car price in an ad, it's supposed to be what's called all-in. So you're really only supposed to add um, basically sales tax and, you know, maybe a, a lien registration or similar low, small charges. But Alberta dealers are pirates, they're ruthless, not, uh, for the most part, adding extra charges that are not in their ads that run from 395 bucks to over $1,000, depending on the dealer. So it, it is a serious problem in Alberta. At certain times, the Alberta regulator, AMBIC, has intervened. They sent letters to dealers, asked them to smarten up, but there's a long way to go on the ground. What would you like to see changed on that front so that dealers are a little more forthcoming and not just getting this letter of, uh, I don't even want to call it a letter of reprimand, but certainly a letter of, hey, we're on to you? 
uh, first step would be a more robust enforcement so that the bad ads disappear or that the missing information gets put into the ad. Very difficult for an honest dealer in, say, a market like Calgary where the overwhelming majority are, are piling on extra charges for, like, uh, vehicle etching or nitrogen in your tires for several hundred bucks. It's very hard for a dealer doing a straight deal. They're at a disadvantage. They're showing the same price tag as everybody else, but they might be uh, passing up $500 on every deal. It's, it's a lot for a dealer to do. So people should, in theory, when they when they go in, is if they start hearing about you know added costs on top, is they should be a little bit leery and maybe uh, maybe take a step back before feeling pressured into signing on to even more cash. Well, here's what we would suggest: bring the ad with you, take a screenshot of it, or you know, a photocopy, so that you have um, an anchor something to refer to when you're uh, negotiating. And often the extra charges are only mentioned at the end. Sometimes they're pre-printed on the bill of sale. So you'll see something like uh, registration, security registration. It sounds like a government charge, but there isn't such a thing. That's really uh, money for the dealer for putting on an inexpensive etching kit. Uh, Or you might see a green tire levy. Now that sounds like an environmental charge, but most provinces that have the environmental charge for either a tire or batteries, it's just a few dollars. So a green tire levy of one ninety nine or two ninety nine is just an invented charge by the dealer. You should challenge them. Um, most salespeople are not authorized to remove the extra charges, but in some cases, if you I say that you're not happy about it, what they will do is drop the price of the vehicle by an amount of the charge equal to the charge, or perhaps they'll meet you halfway go see the manager, come back and say, look, I can't take them both off. You know, one is 300, one is 500. But maybe what we'll do is we'll drop the price of the car by three, $400. Speaking of the dollar signs, anything people should be keeping in mind when it comes to financing? Because I, I know not everybody can walk in with a check in hand and say, hey, here's the full amount. So anything financing-wise that people need to be uh, cautious of as they go out? You know, nowadays, very few people other than retirees come in and pay cash. Even people who would have the money would rather it were working for them in some other investment because interest rates on loans, if you're at good credit risk, are low. People are just not used to owning their car outright so much as they used to be paying for it outright. Um, I would say the first thing is if you get an invitation to a dealership or something called a VIP event or a private sale, they're pulling you in before your vehicle's paid off. This is very commoning in Calgary when we shopped and in Edmonton to a lesser degree. Um, Be wary. What they'll tell you is it won't cost you a penny. You'll have the same payment. But having the same payment and actually costing you the same are two different things. If you owe money on the vehicle you're driving today that is greater than the value of the vehicle, that's called being upside down. So the dealer will tell you they'll put you in a new vehicle for the same payment, but they'll roll in the unpaid part of your old loan into the new one. So you're paying two loans on one car. And here's the trick. I might add an extra year so that you were on a 72-month finance and move you out to 84. Easy for me to keep your payment the same. It's a longer loan. Or I'd switch you from paying once a month to every two weeks. Mm-hmm. That's uh, That way, there's no exact com- comparison of what you were paying before. And for many people, that's enough to fool them. Some good tidbits to keep in mind there, George. I appreciate the time this afternoon. My pleasure.
Giorgini is the director of the Automobile Protection Association. Again, just as I know heading into the spring, everybody's like, oh, maybe I'll get another vehicle. So just something to keep in mind. A lot of uh, things that have been heard and seen, judging by the emails that come in to us in regards to tips and news, that kind of thing. So uh, buyer beware for certain. This is Calgary Today on 770 CHQR. Do we need a referendum or a plebiscite on the new event center here in Calgary? That is the question the Canadian Taxpayers Federation is asking. Joining us on the program now is Franco Terrazano. Franco, thanks so much for the time today. Hey, thanks for having me on here to talk about this. I'm not entirely sold. I'll admit it right off the bat. The the whole idea of referendum on something like this, it, it seems a little counterintuitive to the whole notion of giving city council, we elect them to make big decisions. But I'll let you try to sell me on this idea. Why is a referendum or why is a plebiscite on an arena the best way of going about it here? Well, you're right. We do we do elect city council, and they do need to have uh, some type of leeway to make the day-to-day decisions. Absolutely no doubt about that. Um, but this isn't a day-to-day decision. This is a significant um, project, right? We've seen some estimates uh, coming from the city that it would be about, um, a new project would be up to about $600 million. Now, we don't know how much of that would be taxpayer-funded yet, of course. We, we don't know any of those types of details. But the point is here is that this isn't a day-to-day decision. This is a significant um, undertaking. And, you know, at the end of the day, if council thinks giving tax dollars to a business, because this, at the end of the day, is um, a professional sports team, it is a business, and if they think this is such a good deal... Um, well, then they should be able to earn public buy-in through a referendum. One of the things that I found really fascinating over the last few months when it comes to this decision, especially after Calgary Next fell apart, was the notion that the, the terminology being pumped out of City Hall has changed. It's gone from arena to event center. And the main focus being is it's more than just a hockey rink. So does that nullify this argument that it's just for the professional sports team? Yeah, um, you know, I'm glad I'm glad we're getting to talk about this. And, and this is kind of what I'm hearing, too, on the ground is, you know, what does this term event center mean? And we're hearing it tossed around a lot. But I think it's an easier way for city council to kind of make their sales pitch for corporate welfare. You know, it's, 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 it's a lot harder to try to convince people that, hey, you know, you're struggling. It's a tough um, economy. We're still struggling. The unemployment rate is still high. We still have challenges. And yet we're going to use tax dollars or, you know, there's a probability that tax dollars will be used to support a professional sports team. Um, It's a lot easier when you kind of group that in with um, this idea of the event center. And if there are these other social goals outside of just the professional arena, well, I don't see why that can't be funded. I mean, look, um, without providing tax dollars, uh, money from Calgarians, Uh, for a professional sports team. What about the notion of, say, concerts or festivals or other things that are being held in there? Is is the taxpayer not um, needed to help support or even the businesses around that? They are benefiting from this from this venture in theory. Yeah, well, there's a few different uh, things within that question that we need to kind of consider. Um, when we're talking about massive concerts and when we're talking about uh, big festivals that are profitable, this is just another form of like an entertainment business, right? So with these types of businesses, they can make money. Why are we subsidizing these types of businesses? 
And then just within that broader type of question that you said is like, well, what about these spinoff benefits, right? And I'm sure if you asked any business owner in Calgary, they'll rightfully tell you that there are spinoff benefits from their business. But that doesn't mean that they should be getting a corporate welfare. In fact, many businesses in Calgary, while creating many benefits for their workers, for the community in general, have been hammered. Is that been hammered with higher taxes? Sorry to interrupt there. Is that part of the problem with this discussion is the fact that it has been muddied by the question as to who even owns it or who operates it because of uh, what the deal is for the Saddle Dome, for example, or even at McMahon, for that matters. You've got a certain piece of land that is uh, owned by, say, the city, and it's op- the, the building itself is operated by someone else. So it opens up these questions as to who's owning, who's operating, and who's benefiting. Well, I think you're exactly right. Uh, this, is a, this is a complex issue because of the, the muddied waters, um, so to speak. But, you know, I think what we really need to do is kind of just draw this down um, to the basics. And especially as we continue to have this discussion moving forward is, okay, at the basic level, do we want tax dollars to be going to businesses? Right. And, and I think that is the number one question that we need to be having going forward. And going forward, tax dollars shouldn't be used uh, to subsidize a professional sports team. I always like to say, look, us Calgarians, we love our flames. We love to support our flames, um, but through tickets, not taxes. Do we run the risk after seeing what happened with the Olympic debate and how divisive it is? Do we run the risk, especially given with polls going at 50-50 and, and, or thereabouts of further having this a little uh, more of a divide in the city? Well, you know, I do hear a lot, and we were talking about the Olympics, that there was, it was divisive, it was divisive. But, you know, at the same point, I think a lot of people res- engage in respectful discussion. Um, a lot of people rallied uh, around a cause, and, and I don't see that there was um, too, too much negativity around that. It, actually, it was a good way to get citizens actually engaged, and many citizens uh, felt like they actually had a real say um, in terms of how they're governed. And, and I think that's a real big issue right now for many Calgarians. And now this doesn't just fall on the city of Calgary, but um, when I talk to a lot of Calgarians, I hear, you know, at the city level, at the provincial level, at the federal level, it feels like they don't have too much say. And, you know, they can continue to see more of their tax dollars being taken from them, um, especially when we talk about these types of big projects where there is a, a massive risk to the taxpayer, Um I think this is a debate worth having. It's definitely a debate that's going to be happening for a while here in Calgary as we learn more about funding and everything else. Franco, thanks so much for the time today. Hey, thanks for having me. One of the questions that get asked, I'm a fairly young gentleman, but I've had my head shaved for over a decade now. And a lot of people ask, how come you decided to go that route? Number one, I don't have much up on top anymore. Uh, I grow it out, not grow it totally out, but I'll let it go unshaven for a little while, and it, it's it's pretty thin up there. The reason I did it back in 2007 was I did it as a fundraiser for the Alzheimer's Society in Medicine Hat. Uh, it's a process that's been near and dear to my heart because of uh, my grandmother who had uh, dementia and, and Alzheimer's, and it was just it, it felt right, and then the the head didn't look all that bad. So when I was asked if I would hold up a sign saying creative for the Alzheimer's Society here in Calgary, I went, absolutely, 
because the hope is to reframe the conversation surrounding the disease. Joining us now from the Alzheimer's Society here in Calgary is Director of Philanthropy and Engagement, Sarah Salas. Sarah, thanks so much for joining us uh, this afternoon. Thanks so much for having me. You talk about reframing the conversation. What would you like the conversation to change to? That's right. I think so often when we talk about dementia, we hear conversations about uh, what's been lost and what's been taken away from the person with dementia. And so um, we really want to focus on what remains because um, people with dementia still are capable of a lot. They're capable of uh, creative expression and forming relationships. And, um, you know, they have rich histories and backgrounds and they have stories and accomplishments. So we really want to reframe the conversation and focus on the positive aspects of people who are living with the condition. I was one of the people who was holding up a sign. I believe I had the creative sign up, but you have a bunch of different uh, signs up, having people holding them and and raising that awareness about it, which is a a big part of, of what you guys are doing this month. Absolutely. The awareness component is so important and, and reducing stigma because stigma does still exist around dementia and can be really um, harmful for families who are, who are working with a diagnosis. So we want um, to raise awareness and, and reduce that stigma through this campaign. In past conversations I've had about whether it's dementia or Alzheimer's or any of the other diseases that really affect the brain, is the other aspect of it is is changing the care that is around it and, and being less, I'll call it institutionalized, but to be more uh, colorful, to be more vibrant, to be more um, more communicative that way. Uh, talk about the, the changing conversation from that level and, and how important that is. Absolutely. Um, We certainly at the Alzheimer's Society of Calgary, we follow a philosophy called the person-centered approach um, to caring for people with dementia. And that's really about learning about the person, their background, their interests and their preferences so that we we don't want to just have a one-size-fits-all approach to care. We really want to understand the person and what they might be responding to and what might really help them in their lives. Knowing those small details can really make a huge difference to um, the care that we provide. Talk a little bit about the the preventative steps, and I know that it's not there yet, but I know I'll use my family as an example. When my grandmother died, my, my mother really took it upon herself to be doing crosswords and keep the mind active and, and that kind of thing. Where are we at on that front? Where are we at in terms of maybe some of the steps that people should be taking to uh, at least re- either reduce the risk or maybe even beyond that is is try to keep their mind active? Absolutely, yeah. Prevention is a really hot topic right now in in dementia. And um, as you said, keeping the mind active is one of the areas that we talk about for prevention. So staying social also is another very important aspect. Exercise is really, really important, making sure you're getting enough daily exercise, Um, eating a healthy diet. The Mediterranean diet is actually the one that we recommend. Um, And, um, you know, just staying engaged, keeping your mind active, not just sticking with the activities that you've done your whole life. So if you're somebody who does Sudoku, um, try something different. Try a completely different type of puzzle or um, learn a new language or an instrument. So something that's really challenging your brain. But as you say, we really are talking a lot more about prevention these days. And um, 
some of the education sessions that we provide to members of the public here at the Alzheimer's Society of Calgary uh, focus on, on that area because we really want to educate people about brain health so that they can reduce their own risk as well as understanding what people with dementia are going through as well. Yeah, it's fascinating given the, the conversation around even in sports with head injuries and CTE and, and that kind of thing. And yet here we are still having a pretty basic conversation about uh, Alzheimer's, about dementia, those kinds of things. So uh, what do you see as maybe being the, the biggest uh, hurdle still left to cross when it comes to uh, Alzheimer's? Um, obviously, there's no cure. So uh, there, there are people working around the globe uh, to find a cure, but there, there is, we're, we're, you know, we're not there yet. So until there's a cure, um, we talk about prevention and we focus on the, the care that we're providing to individuals. So um, the campaign that we're running right now really is focused on raising that awareness because reducing stigma isn't something that's going to happen overnight. Mm-hmm. But I think there's something that we can all be doing in our community because so many of us are impacted now. So I think if we can all come together and take some small steps, um, we can help change change this conversation a bit. Agreed. AlzheimerCalgary.ca is the place to go for more information. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Thanks very much, Joe. Sarah Salas, the Director of Philanthropy and Engagement at Alzheimer's Society here in Calgary. This is Calgary Today on 770 CHQR. Thanks so much for listening to the Calgary Today podcast. You can find it on iTunes, Google Play, and tune in. When you do, don't forget to write the show and leave a comment. Until next time, my friends.